If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to join me. We're going to be in the Gospel according to Matthew. It's chapter 28, and it's verses 16 through 20. And if you need a Bible, please let one of us know, because we do have uh, Bibles that are given um, by the late Roy Hill family, or the family of the late Roy Hill and the Good News uh, Sunday School class. And uh, we want to get those into your hands, so if you need one. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. Father God, get me out of the way so that your voice is heard. And may we continue to hear and feel your presence, your voice among us this morning. And help us to not just sit on this good news. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So this week, it's been a busy week, and um, I've done a little bit of reading. And this one article I read from Time Magazine reported that we spend way too much time sitting down. And according to this research, they... um, They uh, did a survey of 6,000 adults ages 18 and over, and from this, the data showed that one in four American adults sit for more than eight hours a day, and we do that with little to no leisure time or even vigorous or uh, moderate physical activity. We tend to be sitters. But what if I told you we were not designed to sit for very long? See, I know most of us have that favorite chair that we have. It might be a recliner. It might be a rocking chair. Perhaps it's a lounge chair on your back porch or that beach chair. Or maybe you've got that chair that you love so much that you may or may not have put duct tape on it to keep it together. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But we spend this lifetime looking for this comfortable chair, but we're not always comfortable in a chair. We have to uh, find one that suits us. You know, it has to have arms or a nice cushion in it. And we notice that the longer that we sit, whether at home or office or maybe even here, the more we try to sink down into it. Now, I brought this, or they got me this stool, and if I was to deliver the message on the stool this morning, you know, I might start upright with this nice, proper um, posture and stuff, but by the end, I'm going to be slouching down like this, and it's not going to look very ladylike, for one thing, but this is bad for my posture, 
But that's how we do it when we get in a chair. And you know what I'm talking about. You, you wind up turning sideways and your legs hang off of it. If it doesn't recline, you're going to make it recline because we're just not designed to sit for very long. Well, there was a guy that wrote a book. He was an architect and his name was Witold Rabinsky. He wrote this book called Now I Sit Me Down from Clismos to Plastic Chair, A Natural History. Man, that just sounds like a page turner, doesn't it? But he goes through this book about the history of chairs and how they have evolved through time. And he says we are always in pursuit of this perfect chair. He starts out in ancient Greece. And I want to show you a couple of pictures. This klismos. This is a curved backrest and tapering chair. And you can see the outcarved legs on it. And then we go and evolve into the yoke back chair. Now this is the earliest uses of lumbar support. And there's another one there too. So we see that. Then we have evolved to the ergonomic desk chair. Everybody wants one of those. Then there's the rocking chair. And then you have that wonderful reclining dentist chair. Because you know the dentist wants you to be comfortable when they're all in their outdoor nest. So we're thankful for dentists this morning and trying to make us comfortable and easing the way. But he argues, oh, I forgot. There's even the Barca lounger. Anybody remember those? They're still around today. So it's just the common recliner. But this architect argues, despite the best efforts of human engineering, there is no such thing as a perfect task chair. And he says, um, no matter how much we spend time trying to find this perfect chair, we're not built to sit. He says, we are good at walking and running, and we are happy lying down when we sleep. He says, it is the in-between position that is the problem. This is even true if we sit on the ground. And you think about it, when you sit on the ground, maybe you sit with your legs crossed and your ankles start hurting you, and then you have to stretch your legs out, and the next thing you know, you're on your elbows, and then finally you're just laying all in the sand or on the um, grass or whatever, trying to get comfortable. Perhaps the point is that we're not supposed to get comfortable. Perhaps the point is to be uncomfortable in order to make us move. And that's what we're going to talk about today is not just sitting there wherever there is. See, we're now in the Easter season. We're 10 days after Easter. And we saw from that Friday to the Sunday, there was a lot going on. And I'm sure you've had a lot going on this past week. So how does this past week compare to the previous week? You do realize that the story is not over, right? See, the resurrection is not the end of the story. It's the beginning. And we can't just sit at the tomb. You know, on Friday night, we wanted to sit at the cross in grief and sorrow. Then Saturday, we sat in silence wondering what happened and what's going to happen. And then Sunday, we celebrated that Christ was no longer in the tomb. But we can't 
can't, just like we can't sit at each of those stages, we can't sit at the empty tomb because Jesus is no longer there. He got up and he walked out. And when he walked out, he told people to go and tell. So we have to do the same thing. See, all throughout Jesus' life and his ministry, he was on the move. He was always going. Even think about before he was even born, when he was in the womb, he was even on the go, you know, because they went to Bethlehem. And then after he's born, they had to go because Herod was after them. And then he went to the temple as a young boy and he was teaching the elders. He was constantly going from place to place, teaching and healing and leading others. And as his followers, we're called to do the same. We're called to keep moving and teaching and healing. And we do this all in the name of Jesus because he said so. And he gave us the ability to do that. See, after the resurrection and before the ascension, Jesus gathered these 11 disciples and gave them what is known as the Great Commission. And we read this this morning. In this passage, Jesus gives us three things to do that we can't just do by sitting here. One, we have to go and make disciples of all nations, not just the people we know, not just the people we agree with, not just the people that look like us or talk like us or that we like, it's all nations. Then we baptize these new disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then... See, I think we a lot of times forget about this third thing that we're supposed to do. We go and tell, and then we bring them in the church, and they're baptized. But then we forget this other thing he told us to do, to teach these new disciples everything that I have commanded. He's told us to do that, and we can't just do it sitting. See, it begins with this invitation, but it's more than just inviting someone to church. We can invite them, but don't just leave them sitting there in the seat. Go sit with them, and when they have questions, answer them, engage them. Tell them how Jesus changed your life, because it's about this relationship with Jesus. And it's that discipleship of walking along with them, of worshiping together, of studying scripture together, of praying together, of serving one another, even if that means washing someone's feet. Because if Jesus did it and told us to do it, we should do it. See, it's getting them into the front door, but we've got to keep them from going out the back door. See, it's this invitation that gets them in, but discipleship that keeps them and helps them to tell other people the story. See, there's this little story of this little girl, and she was in Sunday school. And she came home, and she was really disappointed about the class's reaction to that lesson the day. And she said, we were taught to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And then we just sat there. So is that what we do? Do we come and we learn and then we just sit there? 
No, we have to do, we have to go and tell. And then we take it a step further by showing and tell. After we just sang, let me tell you about my Jesus and let my Jesus change your life. See, going and telling is more than just these words. It's being that disciple that God has called you to be. It's not going to a specific church or a denomination. It means we are claiming that we are Christians. And when we claim that we are Christians, that means we are Christ followers or little Christ. And we follow the teachings and examples of Jesus. We live our life out loud. We're then able to fulfill the great commandment that Jesus gave us in Matthew 22 that says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then we can live out that mandate that he gave us on the night he was betrayed that says love as I have loved you. And if we're busy loving God and loving our neighbors, we don't have time to just sit around. One of my favorite evangelists, um, preachers, teachers, and all-around cool chicks, and yes, I can call her a cool chick because she calls herself a cool chick. Her name is Christine Kane, and if you've never heard her, oh, you're missing. Go Google her. But I heard a, a message from her, and she said, You and I are personally responsible for the evangelization of planet Earth for the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for. So your vocation is secondary to your primary calling, which is to be a follower of Jesus. And as a follower of Jesus, our primary calling is to lead other people to Jesus. See, if you are looking for your purpose in life, your purpose as a follower of Jesus Christ is to go and tell and to make disciples. That is your purpose. And she then tells us this story. She was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And she was about to go into surgery. And, you know, and she's thinking about her husband and her children. But then right before surgery, she talks to God. And she asks God, did I do everything you called me to do? I hope I'm bringing home everyone I'm supposed to bring home. See, life is but a vapor. It's so short. So we have to stop running. We have to stop condemning and judging and love because Jesus came to save this whole world. See, we are all equal at the foot of the cross and Jesus came because God so loved the whole world that he gave us Jesus. Not just a certain group. But this whole world, and as Christians, it is our purpose to tell this whole world about Jesus. We have to go and bring the grace, love, and mercy of Jesus Christ. And this question that matters is, did we fulfill the great commission in a world that's so desperate for a Savior? Christine also says, we have got to get obsessed with the cause of Christ, making his last commandment our first priority. See, we're people that get obsessed with things. So we need to get obsessed with Christ. You know, in his mandate to love as he loved, if we follow all the mandates of this earth, you know, like we just filed taxes, 
and we didn't want to suffer the consequences of filing our taxes late or not paying or whatever that caused, or the consequences of not stopping at a red light or um, walking when we're not supposed to walk. All of these man-made laws, the speed limit, if we can obey those for fear of suffering the consequences, we should be able to obey the law that God gave us to love as he has loved, to go and tell that mandate, that commandment to go and love. David Platt said, somewhere along the way, we have subtly and tragically taken the costly command of Christ to go baptize and teach all nations and mutated it into a comfortable call for Christians to come be baptized and listen in one location. In other ways, sit and hear versus go and tell. We were called to go and tell. And we all have this gift, as Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other out. It's not our natural ability, but it's God's supernatural power that works through us. See, we all have a story to tell. There was a banner in a church that said, someone first told you about Jesus. Who have you told lately? You know, whether you grew up in the church or you came to know Jesus later on, there is someone in your life that helped you, that nurtured you in the faith. Now, shouldn't we be doing that to other people instead of just sitting the little girl in the Sunday school class telling her that maybe we need to be showing her and giving examples so she can go and be a witness? We all have this story of how the resurrected Jesus has resurrected us, taken our old selves, our hurts, our addictions, our whatever, whatever we came in the door with, whatever was in our past, you know? And if we can share the news of this world that's on the TV and the internet, we can share the best news ever, the good news that never gets old. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he's always with us, always changing us. And it's not a story that happened 2,000 years ago. It's not history. It's his story that he invited us into. So we're a part of the story. So we can't get comfortable and just sit. You know, last week, Easter, I bought a brand new pair of shoes. And y'all know I love shoes. There's, yeah, anyway, they were very comfortable for the first three hours, but after six and a half hours, they were very uncomfortable, and I was ready to sit down and take them off. Sometimes I feel like that's us. We've got on a new pair of shoes with our story, and we feel so uncomfortable standing up and going and telling it. But you know what? The longer that we walk in those shoes, the more we tell our story, the more comfortable we are sharing it and the more people we can tell. There was a story of this man, John Currier, and he was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison in 1949. And then later on, he was moved to a working farm to finish out his sentence. And in 1968, they decided to commute his sentence and free him. And they sent him a letter, but John never got the letter. 
So for 10 years, he continued to work hard day after day, year after year, as if he was still incarcerated, doing what he was told, working hard each day. And then in 1978, 10 years later, a parole, a parole board member officer learned about him and went and found him and told him this good news that his sentence was lifted and he was now a free man. When we ask ourselves and listen to this story, would it matter to us if someone sent us an important message? The most important message in our life. But year after year, that message was never delivered. There's so many people that are walking in chains and bondage of this world that don't know the good news. Do not know that they can be set free. And we need to go and tell them. So we got to get up and go. And not just sit here. There's a commercial, um, if you've watched TV lately, from Expedia, which I guess would require you to sit down, or maybe you passed by it. But it's called Stuff. And there's this guy walking through this movie or TV um, studio, and he's walking through it, and he says, We love stuff and really great stuff out there. And then he states, but I doubt any of us will look back on our lives and think, I wish I would have gotten, and then he lists all the stuff, wish I would have gotten more TVs or cell phones or cars or this or, and that, all these worldly goods. And then he walks out the door and he asks, he's walking out onto this beach and he says, do you think any of us will look back on our lives and regret the things we didn't buy or the places we didn't go? So my question is for us, will we look back on our lives and regret the places that we didn't go and tell someone about Jesus? You may be sitting here this morning and this is the first time that you've thought about your freedom in Christ Jesus. And you just want to make that commitment this morning. Or maybe you know someone that is so wrapped up in something of this world and you so long to help them be set free, who can you tell your story of how Jesus changed your life and set you free? This morning, after we pray, we want to let you know this altar is open and we'll be here to pray with you, pray for you, because we want this whole world to know of Jesus' love. And we don't have time to just sit around. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we come before you this morning. And we're just asking you to help us get out of our seats. Help us to be so uncomfortable sitting on that good news. Knowing that there's someone out there that doesn't know, Lord. Just move us. Let us get up and not just walk, but run from the tomb yelling, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us shout that you are alive, that you have changed our lives, and that you can change others. Lord, help us to not let anyone be sentenced to a life of bondage 
and death. But help us tell that news so they can be set free. In the name of Jesus, we pray.